Dude, should we get a new intro music, or should we just stick with that one for a uh, like longer? I think we should stick with that one for as long as we possibly can. Perhaps. What if we got Gibbs to do it again and say the words so that they're easier to understand? <laughs> I mean, we, just, we could do something different, like maybe like a slightly different, like a like a like a a, a remix, a variation of it. Say like words, trap, like a trap version. Y- Yes. I don't know. Let him let Gibbs do whatever he wants. I'd like a trap version. Can okay. we get it screwed and chopped? I don't think Gibbs can do that. Fabulous. We have we definitely have more icons for this week. <laughs> um so welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, guys. Uh this is episode 344. Uh I am the host that talks first. D. I am the host, the talk second, Dr. Corey Petty. And I'm the third host, Jesse Broke. Yes. Jesse, the man broke. This show, this, this show is brought to you by, uh, is what you do. Do. <laughs> what you do, do. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> sniping like with the questions, just Dang. sniping them. Yeah, what was that sniper's name in Saving Private Ryan? The guy who was like, you know. So I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Boom, Nazi number one. Uh, I took a look at my life and realized there's nothing left. Boom, Nazi number two. Because I've been. I don't think they were doing that on Saving Private Ryan, were they? <laughs> yeah, they were. That was Saving Private Ryan. I might have to go back. I have watch to watch that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that that song was playing. I don't know right if now. you're. I don't know if you're fucking with me. Or... I think with us. <laughs> that was Saving Private Ryan. That's like ninety nine percent. No, ninety nine. I'm I'm almost one hundred percent sure yeah, that you're fucking with us. That was definitely uh, saving Private Ryan, and uh, that was the scene where they actually saved Private Ryan when uh, the Nazis came in and they were like, "Hey, like, uh, uh, we're gonna kill you guys because you're definitely American," and we were like, "No, the fuck, you're not, bro." And that was the scene. I wrote it. So moving on. Um, oh, Jack Snyder. Jack Snyder. What about Jack Snyder? Did that you, was the guy. Uh, yeah, do you guys want to talk about the, the Justice League film? Oh, you're talking about Zack Snyder. And that Zack was Snyder. Week. That's that was the guy. last week. Somebody Where last is week. the train icon? This is oh, going way no. too far. We haven't right, even gotten mind. started yet. All right, fine. <laughs> we haven't even started. What is that? That's, oh, that's off, oh, that's off okay. the rails. We started off the rails. Let's get back to, to what's actually supposed to be happening. So um, here's the deal. 
right? Um, crypto's evolved to the point now. You, if you've been in this space for a long time, then you probably know that airdrops are a thing, right? Uh, Private Jackson was the sniper's name. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. So airdrops are a thing. What's an airdrop? If you just got in this crypto thing, you know, you just sparked up a Coinbase wallet, you know, just, you know, sparked it up. Don't know what the hell is. Yeah. Yeah. It's got I my just coin. got my Coinbase. I got my Coinbase wallet and I, you sparked it up. You don't know what's going on. Somebody said, hey, slide on over to Gemini. And you're like, isn't that a constellation? Sorry, Coinbase over there. We should put like a QR code to our Coinbase. You know what I'm saying? Like, 100%. Hell yeah, that'd be dope. You know, hey, scan that and start your Coinbase account. I'll, and, I'll get I'll make that happen by next week. Hell yeah. Um, is that next week the Bitcoin podcast time or next week actual calendar time? Because next Bitcoin week podcast big, time. All right, we'll see y'all in 2023 <laughs> with that QR code, baby. 2023 have QR codes of all our referrals, so we can start making that money because we don't do that. <laughs> so, um. You're, you're probably not familiar with what an airdrop is and why it can exist and how cool it is and how the cryptocurrency community, the crypto community, just a second. Uh, Dog, stop doing that. How the crypto community uh, can like, uh, you know, leverage airdrops in order to embolden, galvanize and amplify communities, different different micro communities efforts. Right. There's different communities in crypto. There's a token. There's a community behind it. More than likely, right? What is it, like a 50-50 shot? There's no more than likely. It's 100%. That's the whole goal. No, it's not 100%. Because Digital, it's a, okay, here's the question. How's it, get, where, how's it get value? Well, hold on. Let's not get that deep into it, doctor. Let's just keep it on the surface level. There's your answer. Let's just there's keep your, on the surface level. That's not, that's not a deep question. Yes, it is because there's 8,500 tokens just on CoinMarketCap. Those are the ones just on CoinMarketCap. All right. So well, then, okay. Any, then, then let's put it this way. Any any token with a value has a community. All right. Done. That's a better – that's a that's better. I like that. I can vibe with that. So all these tokens that have actual value have communities, right? And a way to galvanize, amplify, rally your community is through an airdrop. So, Jesse, why don't you go ahead and define an airdrop for us? when you get free money into your address <laughs> hell yeah free money just dropped into your wallet and you're like what money just came into my wallet from out of thin air just it's there now it wasn't and now it is all right Corey, what's your definition of an airdrop mm. uh it's a way to for a project to distribute tokens to their community or to, to put to potential users like people that they would like to be a part of their community uh very efficiently so uh as an example wayne in the in the private chat has asked us to dial it back and change the difference between a token and a coin uh a coin in my opinion is a token i mean we were talking about digitally it's just a token that is has a bunch of different copies of itself. Uh, so token is just like a digital scarcity for in the most general sense, in my opinion. Uh, a coin is a token that has a bunch of different copies of it. You can exchange for the exact same thing. Uh, an FT is a token that you can't do that. It's, it's unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an airdrop is when, say I have a, I have a project, right? And I want to bootstrap my, my community. 
I want to try and get, and, I, and I've made, I've made a coin. I've made, uh, we'll just say a million tokens, a million coins. Remember to call it Bitcoin Corey's vision for now, because that seems to be a, a meme in the Slack for now. Bitcoin Core has been BCV. That's the token of the community that I'm trying to make. And I want to get it in the hands of as many people as I can. So what do I do? I take a snapshot of the blockchain, of any blockchain. Uh, it doesn't have to be the one that I'm on, potentially. But wherever the token is, is where it's going to go. Mm. And I say... <laughs> Based on some metric of the blockchain, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> well played. Uh, based on some metric that I arbitrarily define, whether it be all accounts at this particular block in time that exist, it could be all accounts that have had that have interacted with this specific smart contract at this specific time, or uh, all accounts that have a balance over of, of another token at throughout this time period, whatever, right? Like you can come up with any arbitrary metric you want. You just take a snapshot of those blocks and you then have, you now have a list of addresses. The airdrop is I just give my token to those people. I, I deposit it, I put it directly in their account. I transfer it into their account and then, and then I tell them, I, I broadcast out, I say, hey, check your account. You now have a new token, or you can do it in a couple different ways. Where you like you force the, the person to go and register and prove they have ownership of this account, and then you give it to them. You can also so a lot put, of, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and so and that that kind of helps with like uh, in the off chance that I distribute to an account that's dead, those tokens are gone. So you can maximize the efficiency to make sure that like people who claim the token token are actually going to use it. They want it. Uh, but then that costs money. It's an extra couple steps, whatever. There's, there's all different ways to do this. But in essence, you're right. It's free money. Well, assuming what I'm passing out has value or has a potential to have value. Now, what's interesting about this is that I've bootstrapped my community. People who don't want it can claim it and sell it. That's volume on my token. People who do want it already have it. And if you take the, like a chance of like uh, what Uniswap did, Uniswap is a good example of this. It's the first time the first time, but one of the major examples of a company saying, uh, based on all of the use that we've had uh, and that has that's grown to our success, we're going to introduce a token and we're going to give it to the people who have used our platform. That's mm -hmm. like a company, like it's like a traditional company going to IPO and instead of selling shares, they just give it to the people who've used the, used the software or used the services of that company. Mm -hmm. And then, so like, People who've used it just end up with a bunch of money, well, potentially, in their account. In terms of Uniswap, I don't know what that's worth now. Let's look. What I got in Uniswap, I think, is around. I got a tab here with all my monies in it. Uh, what I got on Uniswap is currently evaluated at. It's like 300, right? 300 Uniswap, 300 yeah, Uni. So currently, I got 488 Uni for my particular activity on Uniswap. And that's valued at like $14,000 currently around there, right? Yeah, Dang. offsec, I get it. But like, that's what everyone got. Like, it's clear I use Uniswap. It's clear that, yeah. that I so would get is, that. 
So this is a beautiful, beautiful principle that I want to talk about airdrops and how like powerful they can be like for society. First, I do want to explain the difference between a token from South Park and a token. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, Wayne is watching and he was like, now explain the difference between token and a token. Um, but basically, at the end of the day, you're trying to incentivize a large group of people or a large enough group of people to participate in your network. Am I right or am I wrong? Yes. No, you're right. Boom. Like I said before we started this, the only reason tokens have value is because they have communities. So people are trying to bootstrap their communities mm-hmm. and get and get get their tokens in the hands of these things. Because as we've seen in the history of blockchain, bags have weight. And people tend to defend the things that they have, they've, they've invested in. I mean, more often than not, we tell people yeah. like, how do I get started? I don't know. Buy some and try it out. Well, in some cases, you don't even have to buy it. You just yeah. get it. And there's all kinds of parameters that you can set up that would trigger the issuance of an airdrop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of the gamification of finance. And that's what we're seeing right now in crypto is the gamification of finance. And if anything is going to be gamified, it has to be relatively simple. It has to be built upon simple principles. And this is kind of all the way, it goes all the way back to these primitives that we've discussed on our show many, many times before, like crypto primitives and financial primitives. Like it's got to be built on simple rules in order for you to gamify something, right? Um, the best games are simple. Fucking tag, very simple game, very fun. I can't play it anymore, I'm old, but kids love it. Very simple game, right? Have a great time. So if you're gamifying finance, um, you can do anything. Like you could say all ETH wallets with a certain level of ETH in them, if they have 15 or more ETH, get this super duper rare token, which gives me super duper powers on the DeFi network. Cool. Of course, you of course you uh, replace super duper with actual shit, right? Does, does actually do something. <clears throat> Uh, that returns value to the community, but it doesn't matter how you set these parameters. And now you can hopefully audience members starting to see like the sky is literally the limit. I mean, um, how many air what how many airdrops have you think you've received, Jesse? Uh, more than what I even see. I more than what I've actually claimed. Because what I said earlier was like you gotta you gotta broadcast out. You gotta let people know um that it's there like i i've looked at all of the things that have just showed up in my account like say if you go to like etherscan right that was the best way to see like the first time i said it where i just deposited directly in someone's account based on some metric uh a lot of the earlier projects earlier like what do you even call my cls just projects that had token just airdropped a lot of what they did um live peer was one of those examples or a percentage or a percentage of their distribution um and like what I would do is I'd get on either scan and then I'd look at my accounts because uh, that's how I used to watch them. And the tokens, would, there'd just be new tokens in there. I'd be like, what do these come from? What, what is this? What, what, what is this? Is this worth anything? Is this, what is this project? Whatever. And interestingly enough, uh, for some of those things, I actually looked into the project and I never would have had those things hadn't just showed up in my account. Yeah, Wayne's right. You had to add custom in order to see it in some cases for some airdrops. Yeah, because well, you're you're relying on the platform to look for those things and find them. PSV. What is PSV? PlayStation Vita. 
something. So I think it's supposed to be Bitcoin. No, Corey's vision. Yeah, Petty. B- that's BSV. That's, that's actually BSV. PlayStation Vita. What are we going to do? No, Petty Satoshi's vision. Satoshi vision. Yeah. Petty, Petty Satoshi's, Satoshi's vision. Petty Corey Vision. PCV? Yeah, maybe we should come PCV. up with a good acronym for whatever token that we... Let's pick a meme token. It's not that hard. We can make one, pass it out. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. I made fruit That's... token, but it didn't matter because it was on testnet. Yeah. Oh, I'm we not doing testnet. That's straight live. I do have one <laughs> fruit token. You do? Petty Satoshi, Satoshi Vision. Vision. Ah, I see. I see. Petty, if you were Satoshi and you didn't tell me, I swear to God... If I was Satoshi, you think you think I just did on that much money? No, okay. I, think I don't I, think, you think would. I'd have a mortgage. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you would. I'm pretty sure you would let's, not. Let's, let's be realistic. I'm pretty sure you'd be like, "Hey, can I buy Thailand? Is that possible? <laughs> can I just buy straight cash?" I'm a no? fan of the Thai people. I think I'm gonna yeah. buy Thailand. Yeah, where are you getting these avocados from? I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna buy that land. Haas. What is this? What is this? Um, okay, so that's the principle of an airdrop. I like the the where I like the principle of an airdrop is now that we start to get got we've received these glimmers of hope that there can be a world in which blockchain and the the GPP legal uh, structure can coexist and they can communicate and leverage one another. Now you can start this. The next logical step, maybe five years from now, is governments issuing tokens governments building tokens why not it's open source they can do whatever the fuck they want they can issue tokens. stimulus check Hello? yeah like stimulus trip you can get some you can get some stimmy tokens drop straight up in your yeah gbi stimulus all kinds of like yeah. efficient ways of distributing money yeah. and when you're imagine, the fed you just print it yourself then it's great imagine a world where you could uh very like absolutely validate your contribution to the communal coffers like oh there's a water system token or an electric grid token and it shows that it's eth went from your wallet to those to those wallets to help the community have the funds it needed to operate so in turn you just get airdropped that stimmy money stimmy money baby it just gets sprinkled into your eth wallets wherever they are like the world can be juicy if we make it that way and I think crypto is gonna get fucking really cool here in the next day, next decade, just because you know you can like uh, sprinkle some life on somebody. Just look in your look in your ETH wallet, and a little stimmy got sprinkled in there. I mean, I know that would be nice. Yeah, Corey likes to talk on mute, so <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. The, the the big icon didn't give it away for me. <laughs> uh, either one of the big icons. So if we could, if we could make the assumption that uh, digital currencies are going to be a thing for for governments, yeah, right? They are. They are. Okay, we make that assumption. Then mm-hmm. this is the most efficient distribution method that exists. Yeah. Imagine you just you just put it directly like. like people already put things directly in people's accounts, but the infrastructure that routes that money is so convoluted and owned by various people that it's not efficient. It's not easy to do. And this is like when you have a, like basically a universal database for people's accounts and um, people who get accounts on this particular universal database, I'm thinking like a Fed coin, right? Are residents of that jurisdiction. 
all the all the KYC AML stuff required to define the metric of who gets what, whether it be uh, welfare, UBI, stimulus checks, whatever you want to do to disperse money to people as a government. That's uh, it's, it's it's a snap of the button, snap of the finger, We're done. Jeez. It, so it will happen. That's a thing. Like okay, if if the assumption that governments will move to digital currencies eventually and the fed has a fed coin of some sort then this is going to be the method in which that things those things get distributed distributed so this is a, a comment uh said from backstage which by the way soon you'll be able to purchase backstage passes so you can come sit backstage and get your comments live on air uh but wayne <laughs> said is in a previous oh now will be an nft why because we do that crypto shit. it's gonna be amazing but anyways so yes to crypto when he says in a previous roundtable, discussed we discussed the Fed coin being an airdrop against current crypto, and you get discount on your taxes if you pay it in Fed coin, and you implement uh, UBI or Universal Basic Income, and a few other incentives that would incentivize people to hold and use Fed coin. Right? We're all, we're talking about community. The USD happens to be the very macro uh currency of my macro community of the united states right so if i were incentivized to use the usd which i am now through things like going to jail forever like the, you know <laughs> like <laughs> like you you can uh you can like um you could do all kinds of nifty stuff and so yeah that's what airdrops are you know i think last time i scanned an ether scan i had 38 cryptocurrencies and I was like, "What the fuck is all this shit?" Some of it's useless, but some of it's not. And most like, of it is most of it is useless. Like those yeah, ones like, that just yeah. got direct deposited during that phase of like, "Oh, we can do this," uh, are useless. Yeah, and it's just sometimes crypto is wild to wrap your mind around how awesome it can be. I think the things, Jesse, I don't want to speak out of pocket for you, but I think the things that piss you off about crypto are the scammy bullshit that seems to be unstoppable and much larger number than the actual earnest good stuff. No, I just don't think enough thought is put into what's coming. Everybody just sees the money right now, but you guys aren't seeing what can potentially be developed that can, like what Wayne also wrote about, how China has um, essentially like a, a credit score based on if you if your actions are in line with the agenda of the of the of the government, right? And so I don't think we're we're paying attention to things that could potentially happen in the future by way of having these secondary reinforcers sculpt our behavior or shape it. And so yeah, you can see like yeah, cool, like money airdrop, but like in the future this might be used to control us rather than, you know, free money. Oh, no doubt about it. It's 100% also like devastatingly efficient surveillance technology yeah you're muted too d likes to talk on mute right <laughs> back at you i was borrowing a page out of your book homie you showed me the way you showed me the way no um i think you're right jesse but as i stare off into my window and look like i'm deep in thought <laughs> um he's pointing governments what? What'd you say? Uh, wait, oh, my, is this a bidet? That's <laughs> a like bidet. That's so perfect, Alicia. I love it. As I stare and have this bidet thought, but not actually rinsing my balls. Um, 
governments have controls and they have lever levers over their populace and that's just the way it's going to be and in fact we like those levers or we wouldn't continuously live underneath them so that's no, just going to be I think there's a different degree of be. it though like we haven't seen exactly what china will do like they're going to like they're going to go ham with it you know what i mean <laughs> ham yeah. like ham they're show up with two chains on like we got your life bitch got your life in our I mean like you you've seen what's happening with the Uyghurs right in China and the southwest China's out Excuse me the what? The Uyghurs. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh Uyghurs. <laughs> That's how <laughs> oh you my say God. it. Yes, that is how you pronounce it. <laughs> I've been saying yeah, that wrong for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how do you say it? Uh just, you know, I think <laughs> I think YouTube will flag us if we say bad shit now. So uh-huh. you know, we can't say oh I just said shit. Yeah. Or oh, this you've, is you've already explicit. cursed a few times, so yeah, we're, we're doing all right. Yeah, it's marked <laughs> explicit, so we're okay. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, oh. sorry, I lost my whole train of thought, <laughs> I lost it all. <laughs> Maybe you were gonna defend short term gains and not thinking about long term shaping behaviors that they're essentially testing out. These are tests, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we're all benefiting from free airdrop money. But, like, these are all, like, case studies, essentially. Oh, yeah. Experimentation. Yeah. But, like, it's experimentation with real value. That's the thing. (laughs) I mean, like, like, yeah. It's making significant difference in people's lives. And and in some cases, making some people rich. And and very very much changing a distribution of wealth uh, in society. So, like, sure, it's an experiment. But it's, like... An impactful one. Negro Domus has a question for you, Dr. Penny. Yo. How could this specifically benefit your prior community of science? What do you mean? How could airdrops airdrops benefit science? Yeah. Well, uh, if we look at, uh, like, it's not necessarily an airdrop, but it's it's an interesting, like, example or analogy right um zcash as a project has a portion i'll get back to it i'll keep talking okay so not bad like i it didn't sound like dogs yeah he has this cool ass tech where's noise reduction but it makes them sound like a a scary movie noise what it sound like give me give me an example not um, like dogs, like maybe some. It just sounds like a noise here right scratching. before a monster were going to destroy you. So it's like muted, like like a heavily muted like, type. Like I can't explain it, but I don't like it. They're going crazy right now. I can't hear them. Yeah, I can't hear. Them. They, they, they're still going crazy. Yeah. That's absurd that y'all can't hear that. Anyway, okay, cool. Hey, yeah, this show is brought to you by RTX video cards. Get yourself an RTX thirty seventy. Uh, what is? No, what no, 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 no. We'll, we'll do that, and we can get like an affiliation of some sort, get a kickback. So those are hard to get, and I want that money. <laughs> <laughs> I want one first. I'm using a twenty eighty, so, and I want something better. So if anyway, Negro Domus can get the floor again. I think that, like, I think let me just, finish. Oh, let me finish. Go for it. Yeah. So uh, Zcash is a, is a really good example or analogy, not necessarily an airdrop, of uh, part of the, the distribution of um, 
funds. So when they mint tokens in every block, because it's modeled after Bitcoin, but with zero knowledge proofs, uh, a portion of all new funds go to a developer fund, which then funds the research of zero knowledge proofs and Zcash Foundation and all that stuff, right? Like the Zcash project is in essence, a way to fund science of, of applied cryptography in a very real way. Um, and I think up until projects like that, it was very, very difficult for um, scientists to get funding to, to, to work directly on this. And the process of grant writing, uh, the process of tenureship, the process of a lot of the ways of being a scientist in, in the traditional science world is very time consuming and difficult and not conducive to actually doing science. Uh, and I think when you have these kind of direct incentives to make it applicable and useful for people like Zcash, in my opinion, uh, then it, it really like aligns the incentives of, um, pushing a certain type of technology forward very quickly by paying the people who do it best very well. Uh, and then, and, and they're incentivized to do it because when they make it more applicable, it's more useful to people and ostensibly the value of that token goes up. So airdrops, something like, like, if you think about it in terms of like interesting ways to distribute a token to a community, um, then you can start to think about like, how do we distribute, uh, value to the people we think are going to be valuable to this community. And if it's about science, then it's getting value to the people who can build it as much as, as, as well and as fast as possible and enabling them to just do science and not worry about all the other crap. Hmm. Here's a question for the GPPs. Can you do airdrops on different types of tokens? Yeah. What do you mean? There we go. I was going to say, like, can you do airdrops on Avalanche? Can you do airdrops on Cosmos? Can you do airdrops on... Yeah, that gets more difficult, though, because uh, what that does is it puts... And this is going to be, in my opinion, it's more difficult, but it's going to happen, right? So, like, uh, but it's it's way more complex because then you have to worry about uh, what the total supply is. So, okay, back up a second. The reason why people find value in something like Bitcoin is because you're very, very, very confident that the total supply or total circulation can't be manipulated. It can't change arbitrarily. No one can just print more Bitcoin. It's, 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 it's printed by math and, and the, and the way in which blocks are introduced. Right. And you know what the total, we know what the cap is 21 million. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's where the, the value is. People understand how much Bitcoin they have and how much it's always going to be, uh, relative to the total amount. Whereas like if you have an inflationary currency, the static amount that you have changes in value because you're not sure about the total amount. And when you start doing things like putting a coin on multiple different networks, uh, whether it be like Avalanche, Ethereum, uh, any, of the, any, any of the layer twos, stuff like that, Algorand, whatever, and you distribute a, a specific digital asset across all of these things, you're making it more complicated and easier to screw up in terms of keeping track of that total supply. So like understanding um, issuance and distribution becomes a much, much more complicated thing. You can't take a snapshot of a single blockchain and understand who has what. You need to take multiple snapshots at the right time and do some kind of logic to figure it out and hope that 
these things work well. And when you think about how these things move from chain to chain, it becomes even more difficult because you have to understand that some of the some of the tokens in a specific smart contract are considered locked up and they can't be counted in total supply. So there's a lot of like weird edge cases and side cases around what this is. You can't do it. It's just going to be more complicated. So you said something that um, the circulation limits were fixed. What, what's going on in Dogecoin and a few other tokens that are essentially forks of Bitcoin where they raise the circulation limit? How are they doing that? It's so a like parameter in the beginning. And then if they wanted to change it later, it's just a hard fork. So why <laughs> why on why on coin market cap does like say Dogecoin, I think say like they can have nine hundred billion. Why do they have like nine hundred eighty eight billion in circulation? Uh because they just that's a parameter change they made in the beginning. Um so like they just decided they wanted a larger number and a shorter block time. But don't they have to change like a majority of the people running what I don't know. Is it do like their nodes? It's the same thing as Bitcoin. Right? Yeah. Well, so I think like in, Do in Doge's case, I'm not sure of any hard forks that changed issuance. That's what I'm saying. I, I didn't uh, know that. Why do they it, have a higher circulation? Because they that was a parameter in the very beginning. They always had more. Like they, they changed the issuance to be something different than 21 million and how it gets distributed over time uh, when they had launched the blockchain. The very beginning, when they forked it, they changed it. They changed the code. They changed the parameters around these things, like how how long a block is, what the issuance is over time, so on and so forth. So that, and that's that's where we are now. I'm not aware of any uh, hard forks, which is the way you have to do that parameter change once the blockchain has started, uh, ever happening in Dogecoin. But it, it could have. I never really watched it. Like so it's let, always let me, been a meme coin. So. Let me report. Um, so max total supply. Okay, so they changed it on coin market cap because it used to be, I think, a hundred billion Doge, and right now the circulation supply is at one twenty-eight point nine billion. So somehow, without forking, they've removed the upper limit. They've removed the circulation limit, the max supply. How do you know they haven't forked? I just don't know they haven't. I don't know that they haven't forked that, and I also don't know if coin market cap is reporting this incorrectly. I'm just curious. That's that's also very likely because if you look across multiple different, um, they do. They have a lot of statistical sites. It's all wrong. Like, they're not. They're, there's there's discrepancies, and so yeah. you'd have to like to really know. You'd have to one make sure they haven't forked and changed the code base mm -hmm. uh, because it'd be easy to do for Dogecoin because it's relatively small hash rate, at least in its mm -hmm. history. Um, and. Yeah, I don't know. There's really you no way, though, right? You have, to, you have to change all the nodes or fork in order to get that supply cap to be removed, right? Well, you got to fork and then convince people to run that fork. Right, right. But what, what I'm saying is, like, for it to be reported on coin market cap without a fixed max supply, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing. Exactly. They're doing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know either. Interesting. Yeah, it's a lot of weird stuff. That's why it's so weird to see people like push Doge, like people like Elon. They don't they don't understand these things, uh, mm -hmm. like these these weird subtle mm -hmm. intricacies and edge cases of like yeah. uh, total supply and issuance. They're just like it's a currency, use it. It's just like Bitcoin. Right. But the same thing happens, Corey. That we've seen this now. I think this will be the fourth time we've seen this. Is that each one of these cycles that brings in new people, strictly because we know that those new people are like, oh my god, I can make a bunch of money. I can make a lot of money. I like money. We know that like only about one to three <laughs> percent. I don't know what that is. That's that's the scammer. That's that's a whole thing. It's very funny, but 
Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. That's hilarious. That's a very funny guy, by the way, on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So anyway, is it Joan the Scammer? Anyways, um, we know that. Hold on. Let me read this comment from Yes to Crypto. He's saying uh, coin market cap, coin gecko, et cetera, are often behind in several types of tokens, market cap, total supply, especially primarily Uniswap type tokens and rebasing tokens, too. So I'm just so that might answer what we were doing there. So or that which no, I was going back and forth on. <laughs> yeah, this is just behind, right? Are you seeing that? Yeah. I'm in the matrix, bro. What are you doing? Oh yeah, you have clipping because your video card sucks. <laughs> Whatever, bro. I'm in the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, anyways, uh what was I gonna say? Uh so there, so not to switch up the vibe too much, talking about airdrops and things, but this is just an assumption I have. And Corey, you probably could correct me if I'm wrong. But in November, the big announcement this week that probably went very far under GPP's radars was that um, the roots, not not rootstock, Taproot is going to be going live in November on Bitcoin. Which wouldn't that mean you could do like airdrops and stuff on Bitcoin? You could do airdrops, like if there were a certain uh, amount of no. Bitcoin. So like Bitcoin is not a what's 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 considered an account model. It's a UTXO model. It's more difficult to just put things in someone's account, especially because they they mostly do single use key, single use addresses for a lot of their like a lot of the wallet software does single use address. So they cycle through an address every time they do a transaction. Um. So like there's it's it's it's, like, it's more complicated. It can be done. I'm not sure how Taproot, how you would do it on Taproot, um, because of this the complexity of like UTXO versus account model. It's way easier in big and in, in, in account model blockchains like Ethereum because you everyone has one account. Like you have one account and it's easy to re, and it's and it's reused all the time. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, it's the same thing. Like you can do, like people said, you can do smart contract in Bitcoin. Yeah, it's incredibly inefficient and no one's ever going to do them. Uh, Like Turing complete smart contracts. Mm -hmm. Taproot gives you drastically more uh, general extensibility on the types of smart contracts you can do on Bitcoin. I'm curious to see uh, what gets built there. What you're going to see is like really interesting multi-sigs like day one, I think. So like way, 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 way better uh multi-signature uh wallets and like community holding um scripts that allow you to do like really really interesting things about groups of people holding and accessing uh pools of money so i'm curious to see i'm excited to see what happens there we should probably cut to the interview yeah you want to do that you guys want to do that there's one more question in the chat i'd like to the private chat or the comment uh, Streamyard chat. So Daniel says, Andy Meows from Slack asks, is there, isn't there a Flare network that's supposed to be airdropping across a bunch of blockchains? I don't know. You're going to have to, I don't know. Get him on the show, Alicia. Yeah, so. <laughs> Wait, so that would mean, that would, that would turn an airdrop into, that would mean that the airdrop is just getting inputs in, like, and treating different blockchains as. There arrays. are bridges for all of those. Yeah, as long as it's bridged, you can do it. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying, like, like they're still going to have a lot of that comp- complexity. 
that I talked about. I think what Flair is trying to do, if this is, if I'm just guessing, is they're trying to absorb as much of that complexity as possible. So then, so like you, you basically are using them to uh, not worry about all that complexity and hope that they do a good job. Mm, sexy baby, this shit is getting so sexy. It is. I'm liking it. I'm getting a little, getting a little nipply, if you know what I'm saying. Or fabulous. Fabulous. Let's move it over to the pump. interview. Yeah. So this interview, uh, hey, uh, you know. It's Eden, Eden uh, from Old Sovereign, a brilliant man, by the way. That was a great conversation. Um, you know, I was blown away. Uh, these interviews are getting better and better. Shout out to Alicia again. Uh, you know, uh, and speaking of like, so the name of it is Sovereign. And it really plays into the fact that, you know, these little micro communities that we discussed earlier in the show um, are just trying to be financially sovereign. Um, to some extent on the internet so it's a play on that so without further ado here it is hey everybody welcome back to the bitcoin podcast we have an interview for you today we got yago here from sovereign app yago do the normal thing tell us about where you came from how you got into bitcoin and uh give us a like, maybe like a quick introduction as to like what sovereign app is well i, I got into bitcoin because i believe that um uh, it's important. I, I sort of had like a, a paranoia that I live with that um, at any time, because uh, the rules will change or, uh, you know, governments will find themselves in some kind of weird situation or some in the US, if you live in the US, anyone can sue you at any time. It's important that you have a way to maintain your financial sovereignty. And uh, I, I, I believe that long before Bitcoin came around, but there was very little that someone could do before Bitcoin uh, to make sure that they could uh, maintain, you know, their financial destiny and control over over their funds without having to rely on, on some kind of bigger power, uh, a sort of like super mommy or daddy. Um, and uh, so when I first read about the Bitcoin white paper, um, it, I came across it very randomly. I was working in network science at the time and I was reading papers and I came across the white paper and uh, it blew my mind. And that afternoon I wrote an email to pretty much everyone I knew. I, I spammed everyone I knew telling them that I thought this was going to be the most important thing in a generation, not just because it provides financial sovereignty, which is, I think, something that most people aren't aware of, but because uh we are rapidly moving towards a world where most of our lives are digital and there's no way uh and there was no way before bitcoin to have actual digital assets um so between the calculation that um the wealthiest most astute people are always very well aware of the fact that they need financial sovereignty and the fact that the entire world was going to be moving towards living their lives more and more digitally. I, I was convinced uh, very, very quickly that this was going to be important. And so I emailed all my friends and what they did very, very quickly was dismiss me. Uh, they all ignored that email. Um, we all felt that. <laughs> yeah. And so I've basically, you know, gone through the 
the same journey that pretty much everyone goes through of going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And, uh, and I can't, you know, it's kind of crazy that I've been doing this, like falling down this rabbit hole for 10 years now, but, uh, but here we are. Yeah. And, um, and so you asked about, uh, sovereign, uh, what sovereign is. So rewinding a little bit, uh, I think what happened with a lot of people, especially in the earlier days when they heard about Bitcoin, the next thing that they thought about was, okay, so I've got this sovereign monetary asset. Now, how can we transact with it in a way which is just as sovereign, which is just as uh, P2P, just as much in our control? And so for a long time, people were constantly talking about different ways of doing decentralized exchanges, uh, decentralized financial services decentralized internet built on Bitcoin. And then it just kind of didn't happen. And to a great extent, it was because the technology wasn't there. Uh, then, you know, years went by and um, uh, some months ago, uh, the, when the pandemic hit in February, um, a bunch of us, a bunch of people who had known each other from this from the Bitcoin space for, for a long time came together and we, we 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 wanted to create a system where anyone could donate masks to anyone else and we started building out this network of 3D printers because supply chains were shot. And no one could get masks. And so we created this 3D printable mask, which was N95 compliant, and we started setting up a network of uh, 3D printers globally, and then basically anyone could say, I need a mask. Anyone else in a different place in the world could say, I'll donate that mask to you. And then a third, you know, and then that basically would get sent to a 3D printer in that country who could send it to them. Um, and to construct all of this, we needed sort of like a more sophisticated way of managing these funds in a decentralized manner. And, uh, and so we started working on that. And then in the course of that conversation, we also started talking about all of the things that, you know, we kind of thought would happen and happened, thought would happen and didn't happen. And the thing that we kept on coming back to was that we have a decentralized monetary system, but a decentralized financial system for Bitcoin never emerged. And, uh, and that, you know, we were, we, we were still waiting. And so at some point we just said, screw it. We're, we're going to do it ourselves. And so uh, mid uh, last year, mid 2020, we began working on um, a Bitcoin native decentralized financial operating system. And that eventually came to be called Sovereign. And, uh, and now it's been live for a couple of months. And, um, and uh, you know, for us, it was mostly, we didn't know if other people were going to really be that interested in it. We knew we wanted a way to lend and borrow and you know so basically all, all the people working on the project are pretty much all in crypto all in bitcoin and so we all have the same twin problems one is like you know i need to pay rent right so how do i do that i don't want to sell my bitcoin the way you can do that is you can you can lend yourself the money by basically uh, uh collateralizing bitcoin and borrowing dollars right uh, you want to do this through a decentralized platform. There wasn't any platform to do that. And then the second thing 
is we're all in Bitcoin, but we're extremely bullish in Bitcoin. How do you buy more Bitcoin if you don't have any fear, if you're already all in Bitcoin? So what you can do is you can lever up your Bitcoin. But again, you don't want to do this on a, on a centralized service because then you're basically giving up your Bitcoin. And so those were the two use cases that we knew we wanted to focus on initially. And it just turned out that there's a lot of people out there who were, who were waiting for this just like we were. And so communities exploded. There's like 100 different people working on the project now. Um, a lot of excitement um, and the ambition of the project is just getting bigger and bigger mm -hmm. and bigger. Uh, and it's, it's been a phenomenal, it's like, it's one of the most exciting things that I've ever been involved in. And I don't think I've ever had this much fun with the community. Mm. Oh, what? all right. So before, before we get into questioning, because uh, we have, we have probably a lot of questions and like, trying to figure out rationalations behind how how you've done it and why you chose those things but uh, we have uh queued up your 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 video for that's on the sovereign.app website i think it'd be fun to watch before we start diving into things yeah let's take a gander give it a play d in a world controlled by the fiat lords centralized exchanges were inevitably corrupted only one force stood for Love freedom one more Bitcoin. Is that core? No. Might as well be. We'll help you. Give us your key. Trust us. Remember, not your keys. Not my coins. Before it's too late. Sovereign. Decentralized Bitcoin trading and decentralized Bitcoin lending. I've been trading. Defeat centralization, take back control. No! Money printers. Stay sovereign. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot going on on my YouTube. There's a, uh, <laughs> I was looking at your website. I like the style and graphics of like, of it all making it kind of like a kind of comic book graphic, graphic novel. Yeah. We've got a whole bunch of, uh, people creating, uh, art for it. And the video was made by, by the community and it's been, there's a lot of excitement and creativity happening. It's very cool. Yeah. It's always interesting to see, like come up with a project and watch how a community rallies around it and starts like contributing to it yeah yeah that was uh, really cool so is that a badger that has to be a badger that is the honey Definitely badger, a badger. not Definitely just any badger, badger a honey badger the <laughs> money badger that's i mean that's badger. pretty cool I, I i like that that's a good that's a good mascot to have the money badger so oh, that's right. here's something that i've been wrapping my around mind around lately just because you know finance is inevitable you know it was invented for a reason just like banks were invented for a reason, like these things existed, exist for good reasons. And that is, you know, how people protect themselves when they're lending out to others in the traditional world is the credit score, which is, um, you know, not new. I mean, not old credit has, isn't terribly old. Uh, credit, modern, is, modern, credit, credit is really old, but the credit yeah. score is, is relatively new. 
And yeah. even that's changing uh, rapidly. But like if I'm in a decentralized world and, and somebody is knocking on my wallet, how do I check their credit? Like, am I going to get paid back from this guy? Like, how does it work? Maybe I'm thinking about it all wrong. No, so no. I I'm mean, look, so you, I think it's a great question. So when you go to uh, a centralized platform like BlockFi, for example, right? Mm -hmm. You give them your Bitcoin. And what they do is they then give your Bitcoin to someone else in the form of a loan, right? Now, the, who they're giving it to uh, is very often like a financial institution who want to our Bitcoin or do market making or, you know, some kind of financial uh, strategy that they have. And they want to borrow Bitcoin because it's cheaper than buying Bitcoin. And so BlockFi are relying on what is effectively a corporate credit score for that hedge fund or that market maker. Uh, but the issue is that um, then as a result, when you are lending, you're taking that type of risk, right? So, you know, Bitcoin appreciates on average 200% a year. You're making another 6%. So you've gone from 206, mm -hmm. 200 to 206%, but you've taken the risk that, that you know, uh, something happens, one of uh, BlockFi's customers go bankrupt and now you lose your money, maybe BlockFi go under, right? And it's not the way it works in a decentralized system, uh, at least not right now, right? So maybe one day people will want to extend uncollateralized credit, but right now in Sovereign, all Bitcoin is collateralized. So if you want to borrow Bitcoin, you need to put down 150% worth of the value of that Bitcoin. So let's say you want to borrow a Bitcoin, you have to put collateral, let's say in the form of, uh, of, of, of USD stable coins, right? Um, valued at at least one and a half Bitcoin. So if you ran away with that Bitcoin or if you failed to pay that back, um, the uh, lender isn't just made whole, they actually make a profit because they, they will liquidate that position. Mm -hmm. So the collateral is stable coins. The well, the collateral could be any token, any Data. any asset, right? So, you know, it could be uh, various types of properties. And I think what we're going to see is, you know, uh, one of the one of the one of the things which I think is pretty exciting, for example, is a project to allow people to register properties on the blockchain and effectively put their house up as collateral. Uh, another thing that could happen is uh, art in the form of NFTs could become collateral. But the vast majority of the collateral right now is stablecoins and other types of, of digital assets. And um, uh, sometimes that's Bitcoin itself. So sometimes people are, are, are levering up their Bitcoin, right? Uh, to get more Bitcoin exposure. Uh, so... Uh, the, the, the key principle is that there is no fractional reserve. There is always more collateral than what is being lent out. Uh, and that massively reduces the risk uh, to the lender. Yeah, that's a, that's a kind of a staple of all of the current decentralized finance platforms that currently exist is that I want to borrow something. Uh, I put down some type of collateral and the amount of over collateralization. So whether it's 150, 150%, 200 sometimes 600, depending on how very, like how volatile that asset is. I put that down. I then lock that away. I then get released 
whatever I'm borrowing, I do whatever I want with that. Some people then re-collateralize that for other more lending for additional leverage, so on and so forth, right? Uh, I'm curious though, like you built this on Rootstock, which is, I guess, a side chain of Bitcoin. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. And what's currently available on like using it on Rootstock? You mean like the features that the system has? I mean, like what assets can you currently use? Is there is there a limitation to the assets that Rootstock had can do or like? Are there's no limitation. Uh, right now, there are very few assets. Uh, there's a handful of assets on the system, but that's about to change over the coming weeks. Um, so uh, we are constructing um, bridges to the Ethereum ecosystem, to the Binance ecosystem, to the Polkadot ecosystem, and effectively any digital asset will be able to migrate onto Sovereign and be traded there. How do those bridges work? And is it different depending upon, I guess, what network you're bridging to? And is the collateralization rate, like the amount you have to lock up, going to be different for the various assets that you would lock up? Um, so the way the, the bridges work is uh, funds are locked up on one chain. A proof of that lockup is passed to the other chain and a new token representing the funds that are locked up. So it's basically a peg. Um, is issued to to the person who locked it up, yeah, to the address that locked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the second question? Shit, I forgot. Oh yeah, collateral. Our uh, <laughs> our collateralization rates going to be like different for different assets because like yes. volatility yeah. across assets is hundred percent different. Yeah. So so uh, I don't think that. Yeah. So. Definitely, you, you always want to match the collateralization ratio to, to the volatility of the asset. I don't know that there will be dramatically big differences in, in, in the first few assets, but as more and more exotic assets are added uh, with much higher volatility or potentially lower volatility, um, there will be differential mm-hmm. or differentiated um, uh, collateralization ratios required. Now, one of the wow. cool things about... You know, so there are other DeFi platforms, right, besides Sovereign. There's other platforms for decentralized finance. The majority of them are on Ethereum, but they're across all kinds of different chains. You know, there's uh, on Binance, there's on uh, Avalanche, etc. Um, one of the cool things about Sovereign, and one of the reasons we we wanted to build Sovereign, was because when you have uh, sort of a wrapped Bitcoin, like a centralized wrapping of Bitcoin, like WBTC, as you have on Ethereum. Um, the collateralization ratio you get is that you, that is required is higher because there's so much more risk in that kind of non-native Bitcoin, right? That you're taking counterparty risk with BitGo, um, you're, you're taking on the additional risk of the additional network, and so uh, the collateralization or or the loan to value that you're able to get for your Bitcoin is is lower, uh, and that's one of the the big advantages. If you if you if you're looking to lend or borrow Bitcoin, um, Sovereign is able to offer um, the best price to risk ratio. So you're mm-hmm. saying that like your differentiation in this in this kind of lending ecosystem is that you're prioritizing Bitcoin as the main asset for borrowing or lending. Yes, and that the system itself is secured by the Bitcoin network, so um, it's merge mined by the Bitcoin miners. Because so that, that's based on like rootstock security being like pegged to Bitcoin. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. 
So what kind of fees are you looking at? Because like, you know, that's an obvious question as people start using these DeFi platforms and with the majority of current liquidity and volume being ha happening on Ethereum right now, fees are an issue. So like it's, it's elbowing out a lot of people who'd like to do maybe smaller amounts. What are the fees looking like currently on, on something like Sovereign? They're about one hundredth of the fees on Ethereum and they're going to get lower. So um, right now for a typical transaction, you'll be paying between 20 and 60 cents of value. Um, and we expect that to go down to sub one cent probably in May um, when we introduce uh, roll-up technology. So I like the confidence with that answer. So Rootstock is implementing roll-ups. Is that an additional layer two or is it built kind of? I see, I it's an additional are... layer or two, yes. Okay, so it's, it's so like so doing... so our our approach is different from the Ethereum approach. And Ethereum mm -hmm. started out, and even today, does almost everything on layer one. This is extremely inefficient computationally, and as a result, the fees are extremely expensive. And one of the cool things that the Ethereum community has always had is sort of a sense of hyper inclusivity, right? It's like everyone can be part of it, but in practice, the chain has become hyper exclusive. I mean, almost no one can use it profitably unless they're like whales um, because a, 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 a transaction with a smart contract can easily cost you uh, north of $200, $300 in fees. Just one it's, transaction. It, it gets up there depending on how complex that transaction is. That's right. But I'm, really I'm talking about, uh, you know, even some relatively simple transactions, which are pretty gas efficient, like a Uniswap transaction can be can be mm -hmm. north of $200. Right, more complex. So, you know, deploying a new contract can cost you fifteen thousand dollars, and that's that's a that's a transaction fee. It cost so, me quite a bit just to do a simple swap um, two days ago. Uh, tried to hit it when the gas was low, but yeah, you're right. It's pricey. Yeah, we'll go on. Um, there's, there's no argument here. The current state of Ethereum, the way the way things are currently operating, uh, it's very expensive to use. Well, like, like you said, it's it, it makes it very exclusive. Uh, because yeah. people can't do things other than very large amounts of like very large like uh, amount transactions. That's right. Uh, yeah, that doesn't mean it's always going to be that way because there are other things. But I, I uh, it, it remains to be seen how well those work and where things go in that particular ecosystem. So I'm curious how like what is the difference? Like why is this not going to happen on Rootstock? Like you were trying to get into. Uh, so. The reason it's unlikely to happen in Rootstock is because there's almost no activity. So right now we're running on sort of what you could call Rootstock layer one. But even we, you know, we're putting together the infrastructure to make sure that uh, we are able to migrate to a layer two solution uh, within weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that you're never actually going to see the emergence of this idea that you use and deploy uh the vast majority of transactions and computational um uh, complexity on layer one and 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 uh so that's one reason there's a more fundamental reason in that uh i think one way to think about rootstock uh is that rootstock itself is a roll-up so by merge mining mm -hmm. with uh the bitcoin miners right Bitcoin miners are doing doing this 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 proof of work anyway, and 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 the Bitcoin sidechain can piggyback off of that. And there's nothing stopping you from having two or three piggybacks, right? Using exactly the same hash power. And so, the 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 sort of sharding that that Ethereum talk about 
looking to achieve with uh, you know their entire POS sharding mechanism effectively already exists for Bitcoin if you're if you're using sidechains. I'd have to think about that. I mean, because for those that don't know, like the nuts and bolts outside of the bridge uh, from Bitcoin to to Rootstock is Ethereum virtual machine. So it's a, it's a, it's for you know all intents and purposes, it's a clone of Ethereum with backed by uh, Bitcoin consensus and somewhat of a like distributed distributed trust bridge from Bitcoin to Rootstock. And so that enables Rootstock to kind of piggyback on the innovations and in, in development that are happening in Ethereum without uh, being encumbered by kind of all the problems that currently exist because it's been used so much. So like the size of the state and all the pro- like difficulties in uh, managing that state and all those things don't exist on Rootstock because there, there isn't nearly as many people using it right now. But there's plenty of, there's plenty of liquidity on it. Do you have mm-hmm. any issues with with liquidity like what's the can you can you give me an idea like i have bitcoin on bitcoin right i want to use sovereign what is the time it takes for me to get my bitcoin onto sovereign and start using it if you're transferring under three bitcoin it's one one bitcoin confirmation is the amount of time it takes uh and that's because we've constructed no not an hour 10 minutes Okay, so like not, uh, just a, just one confirmation. That's right. Yeah, uh, larger transactions can be three confirmations or six confirmations. Um, and that's because we've built a relay system, uh, which we call FastBTC, the FastBTC relay. Um, there are liquidity issues right now in the system. I would say the biggest issue we have is that there's a lot of liquidity that wants to be on the system that can't currently be on the system. Uh, and that's because uh, the bridges aren't in production yet. And also, um, uh, the current uh, uh, rootstock peg RBTC is extremely limited and not uh, as trustless as we would like. And so we're working uh, to introduce a, uh, a more trustless peg, which can uh, have much great throughput. So... Um, I suspect that the liquidity issues are going to be resolved over the the course of, of April. If people want to use it, then people will build it to make it better. That's, yeah. that's usually how it goes. Yeah. I just, um, I mean, I've heard a lot of buzz about Sovereign in the past few weeks. I just keep hearing Sovereign this, Sovereign here, Sovereign there. And it does look like another viable option to allow all those Bitcoin maxis, all those Bitcoin people to actually do something with their Bitcoin <laughs> instead of just sit on well, it. And, it's also not the know. situation where like they end up having to use Ethereum after shitting on it for so long. Like this is if people who would like to stay in the Bitcoin world. This is a great way to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And if in, in the, in the probable, probably eventuality that other more exotic assets um, like, like real estate, start getting pegged to these things and you can start putting that up as collateral. That's going to be. That's monumental. Like because you people no like idea. Bitcoin because it is the largest. like liquidity. Yeah. Like if you, in terms of like your, what's the word I'm looking for? Not liquidity. Like the most value is put in Bitcoin. It's usually what people hear first. So when they talk, start thinking about what's the things I'd like to be more stable with or peg, 
whatever whatever asset I have, it's usually going to be Bitcoin, like way farther than anything else so yeah. far. At least the way that like the current like sentiment is around around cryptocurrencies. And so, th- like s- something like this that's more Bitcoin native is probably more likely where they yeah. end up flocking. It's just so sexy to me that like these very very advanced financial um, theories and financial practices are just being cartooned and gamified and launched on cryptocurrency <laughs> networks and they're and they're working well, like, like if you were just... an MB, imagine you're an mba in finance and you spend all that money and then you get out of school and you're like wait i just learned all that shit so somebody could turn into a cartoon badger and and like anyone anyone <laughs> anyone who's thinking of doing an mba right now should take those two years and the and, and the three bitcoin it would cost them and just buy the Bitcoin and spend their time learning how to how to use that Bitcoin on a on a protocol like software. Thank like you for giving us the quote of the century, Mr. Iago. Yeah. Or get involved <laughs> with a company that's doing these things. So you have direct experience with this stuff. That's right. Look, I mean, the, you know, the thing is, like, every single generation has like a really good decision that they can make. And if they just make that, like, people who are living during that time, if they just make that one decision, they they've sorted their lives, right? So, like, the generation that came back from world war ii the one thing that they needed to do was go to college you went to college you got a college degree you were fine you were set the generation their kids the only thing they needed to do was as they get their first job they needed to buy a house get a mortgage buy a house and then they were set because that house is is today worth one two three million dollars right um and and a mistake that you can make is trying to do what your parents tell you because they know what was the one good thing for their generation was, but they don't know what the one good thing for your generation is. Our generation, it's not houses. All of the houses are too expensive. It's not a college degree. College degrees are too expensive and they're also worth nothing anymore. They've been inflated away. The one thing that people of our generation need to do is just buy Bitcoin. Buy Bitcoin and think of it like a house or a college degree. It's not something you're going to sell. It's not something you're going to flip. It's not something you're going to trade. You just sit on it. You give it to your children when you die, and they're millionaires. That's it. That's all you need to do. We can we can end the podcast here. That's all, all you need to remember. <laughs> this man, Iago, I would like to have a beer with you one day. I hope I run into you. With pleasure. Whenever this, all this COVID shit's done, I'm thinking about hitting some conferences again. So maybe I might see you around. Um, I, I have some actual like. Are you excited about the possibilities of like sovereign action being leveraged for people to? I had an amazing conversation just the other day with one of my friends, um, he owns a lot of properties, right? And he went and he goes, you know what I want to do? I want to have just a big pile of money just in case I need that pile of money to make some risky decisions and buy things and do this. So he goes, yeah, (laughs) I know. Like, I I can't wait till I'm in that point where I'm like, you know what? I'd like a pile of money. Let me collateralize my shit real quick. So he goes to the banks and he's like, hey, here's three properties worth quite a bit of money. And I want to put these up for collateral and I would like for you to give me greenbacks. So just in case I can use these greenbacks and make some smart decisions. He, after a month of them going through his finances and everything, they came back and they were like, okay, so you offered us like a, just a super monumental high amount of value and collateral. Uh, We're going to give you like a Snickers bar. And like, of course, I'm not being literal here. I'm using metaphor. Oh, I, of course. But but he goes, "Are you kidding me?" And they're like, "Yeah, like 
that's all we want to do is give you, you know, let's just use round numbers. Let's say he gave them like three quarters of a million worth of collateral. They hit him back with like 25K that they were going to lend him. That, and he, that bad? Wow. And so I've been in this world for too long, so I don't, I don't think I can work in the traditional banking industry anymore. <laughs> and so he said, this can't be right. And they said, yeah, that's all we could do. And he said, so you mean to tell me I get $25,000 and if my life gets catastrophic, you get three quarters of a million dollars worth of worth of worth of property. Now, the real numbers were closer to half a million and 50K. But still. <laughs> so he was like, it's like to me. So at the end of that story, all I did was like the traditional finance world is pretty fucked right now. Like, I don't think that they understand how fucked they are if that's all they have to offer people who do have amazing credit who do have amazing amazing personal um like this person that i know my friend is you know he's not he's not doing too shabby you know and uh and still the banks all they could offer him to lend on his own property was like less than 10 percent of the value well, well, that the, he thing, the thing about the banks right now is that the banks uh don't need to and don't really want to make loans if they can avoid it. And, and that's for two reasons. First of all, the, the interest rate is, is close to zero, right? So um, the, the, how much money are they going to make? It's more paperwork, it's more risk, it's more everything, right? And, the other, and on the other hand, right, they, 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 what the Fed is doing is it's paying them for the assets that they hold with the Fed, right? And, and the Fed's doing this to keep those assets illiquid right now and that's part of what is helping to create this the sense that inflation is low. And so we live in, you know, there was that video, right? We we talk about the fiat lords, right? The world the world is um, split between um, two forces, two opposing forces. You got the fiat lords who represent, you know, the lies and the promises and the manipulations of the establishment. And that's, you know, big government and it's big banks and it's big corporates um, who are all intertwined. Uh, it's basically the old guard of the elite. Uh, and at the center of that is the Fed, which is able to, to create money uh, for free and then hand it to uh, the, you know, there's, there's like a, a shitcoin waterfall, right? Uh, but instead of, like little ICOs, it's just the biggest ICO in the world, which is an ongoing ICO of the Fed and other central banks printing currency and giving it to um, the, 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 their, you know, the, the guys who are close to them with the idea that it's supposed to trickle down. Um, and then you have the, the, the people, the network, right? The power of networks. And that's uh, Wall Street bets. It's Bitcoin. It's DeFi. It's, 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 it's the realization that um, anarchy uh, can win, and 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 these these two forces have been fighting uh, uh, each other uh, throughout all of human civilization, right? Uh, and usually, it's the forces of the establishment, the forces of authority, that win. Uh, and the forces of freedom that lose, because the problem with freedom is 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 it's is if if everyone's free, you can't organize, 
You can't tell, no, no one can tell you what to do. You can't get the masses together. And so that's why 20 policemen at a street corner can stop an entire mob of thousands of people because they're organized. They have authority. They have someone telling them, you know, where to stand. And the mob is just a mob. The amazing invention of Bitcoin is it is the most powerful coordination tool known to man. Mm. And it's entirely based on anarchy. It's the coordination of people who do not know each other, do not need to agree on anything. In fact, are competing with each other. Every single Bitcoin miner is competing with every other Bitcoin miner. Every single Bitcoin hodler is competing with every other Bitcoin hodler to hodl more Bitcoin. And yet, because of the way the game theory is structured, we're all working together and have been for 12 years now to take it from an, an asset which is worth nothing to an asset which is becoming the global reserve currency of the world and will become. Number three. What would you call it, what would you call it like the best coordinator? What is it doing to coordinate? What's it? Like, what it so, so, okay. So all, all human coordination, all of it, democracy, uh, uh, dictatorship, aristocracy, uh, the, the, the rules of the game monopoly and the rules of the game chase, all forms of coordination are game theory, right? Basically, it's a set of incentives. What happens if you play by the rules? What happens if you don't play by the rules? Who gets to set the rules? That's all game theory. So um, how can one guy it could be Fidel Castro, it could be Chavez, it could be Stalin. How does one guy control a nation of hundreds of millions of people and make their lives more miserable and stay in power? It's game theory. It's because he can reward the people who are close to him. Those people can reward, uh, 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 you know, people further down the pyramid. And basically, there's like an old line uh, from from the movie Gangs of New York: the rich can always hire one half of the poor to kill the other half, right? And that's that's how the the hierarchical power has always worked. Now. <clears throat> That idea, that core concept of one half can always band together to kill the other half is inherent to the way Bitcoin works as well. That's why we call it the 51% attack, right? And that's why that's like the biggest danger. That's the boogeyman of Bitcoin or of any blockchain. And so the entire genius of uh, Bitcoin and, 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 and blockchain as a coordination mechanism is it's designed in such a way that uh, no one is ever able to put together one half to kill the other half. And as a result, the power uh, is distributed towards the edges instead of towards the center. And yet the edges all need to do, in order to you know, earn, like a miner needs to earn uh, the, 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 their ability to, 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 to be part of the network. And they do this by, by mining and they get paid in Bitcoin, right? And so they're all working towards the same thing. The miners are employees of the blockchain. And every single Bitcoin holder is incentivized to tell everyone else about the amazing power of Bitcoin because the larger the network grows, uh, the, the more powerful it becomes and, and the better off every single Bitcoiner becomes. And so the coordination mechanism is because we all have a single goal rather than we have a single leader. So it's rules without rulers. I would agree. So like the majority of the reason why Bitcoin works is because based on the rules that are set up, um, it's more feasible 
to do what what would be associated as the the right thing. Uh, it's more profitable to do the right thing in Bitcoin. Uh, overwhelmingly, yeah, it's always going to be too overwhelmingly. So, like the incentives are set up in such a way that uh, if you would like to maximize yourself personally, if you're a greedy person, your best your best case is to play by the rules, which ends up helping everybody. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 this kind of positive sum thing, and a real uh, realistic outlook that people are much more willing to. Uh, benefit themselves over the community. Yeah, uh, and I think it's always going to be there. Interesting about that, though. Yeah, but, uh, and but, like, but, I, I like what you're I, saying. I, like, yeah, sorry. Like the the rules help the case that uh, you can remove a, a, a large portion of the hierarchy. Right? It's like be, because those rules exist the way they are, you can have a more anarchic uh, community of people uh, participate while still getting to the good, getting what would what the system would be considered the good. Uh, but the rest of the world still exists, right? Like, so it's a, it's a wonderful use case or example for how mechanism design and game theory come together to build a group of disparate people trending towards the good or what, what the system would be considered the good. But how do you get the rest of the world who isn't doing that thing Understand that and start to participate. It's um, it's almost inevitable in a way, and the reason is because of uh, sort of what I mentioned earlier, right? It's it's so there, there's always been this pendulum between the power of authority and the power of the individual, <laughs> and the reason and authority is by by its very nature usually going to have the upper hand because authority it's efficient uh, yeah it's efficient it's a cruise it becomes like a gravity well for power right the more power it gets the more powerful it becomes uh but there so so, so why doesn't it all just collapse into into dictatorships and the reason is because there is a countervailing force and that countervailing force is people don't want to kneel. And so you have to constantly spend that energy that is accruing into the energy well, right? Uh, in, 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 to, to make sure that, you know, these individuals don't spin off, uh, don't, don't stop being under your control. And so, and so at some point, the, the, uh, most societies collapse because the contradictions become too great. What, is, what has happened, however, is, is, is I think a stunning thing. Uh, what Bitcoin has created is the first time that you have a coordination mechanism which doesn't accrue power to the center at all. In other words, there is no gravity well of power. And so there's no countervailing force to the, 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 the force of every single individual obviously wanting to prefer their own sovereignty, their own power. So what happens when you have suddenly... The, the, the more powerful coordination tools are not in the hands of the authoritarians, but in the hands of the thousands and thousands of individuals who across a network don't want to be under the heel of an authoritarian. It's suddenly the pendulum maybe does maybe stops swimming, swinging. Now, I don't think it's, it's that clean or it's that simple, but as sort of a first principles way of thinking about this, this is a, a situation that 
um, human societies at scale have never experienced. There has never been a coordination technology which was not hierarchical until Bitcoin. And so suddenly it's the anarchists who have the upper hand. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Hmm. It won't. <laughs> It'll be fun, but it won't. Anarchy is not something that's realistic. I love it. It's, uh, you know, it's you're juicy. Wrong. You're, 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 D, you're 100% wrong. Uh, and, I would and, love and, to be wrong. No, but no you're, you are 100% wrong empirically. Anarchy is the base state. Authority is the exception. And, and uh, I got two examples for you. One, who is the glo global hegemon? Right now, there is no global hegemon. In most of history, there has been no global hegemon. In other words, countries live in a state of anarchy. Between countries, they, are, they, they, they deal with each other uh, under anarchy because no, no gravity will has been powerful enough to crew the gravity to, to hold the whole world together. The second uh, uh, empirical uh, experience that you should be very familiar with is Bitcoin. Who's the center of gravity will of Bitcoin? Nobody. There's no CEO. No. There's no board of directors. There's no team, there's no nothing. And yet it is the fastest growing, best performing asset in human history. So how can you say that anarchy doesn't work? It doesn't just work. It's kicking everything else's ass. It just hasn't, you know, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. It's growing. I, I've heard that quote. It's certainly I growing mean, and it's growing really fast. But don't to, get me wrong. Come I to love the conclusion this. that it's going to be the only thing that exists, I think is unrealistic. Yeah, I, I, I didn't I say mean, it was going to be the only thing. That, that's yeah, unlikely, I, I think right? that I'm, I'm taking it to like to, to I'm, I'm like being hyperbolic. I'm taking it to an extreme of like, okay, cool. Anarchy is by far. If, you, if we're going to make the assumption that anarchy is the best case scenario, uh, then we can take it to another extreme that like, okay, then it's going to overtake everything and the things that are no, it's going to overtake. Towards, so, so what? What are the countervailing factors, right? Like, what? What is it going to destroy? What is the well, opposite of anarchy? When, when I say uh, it won't, what I'm saying is that, like, um, don't get me wrong, I, I, anarchy was a huge impetus to me getting in this space. Um, me reeling off of anarchy being the mode of operandum is just because um, it doesn't work for most people. It just uh, doesn't. People have to care. And I, people, I think that people don't fucking care. I think it's, that things centralized. I think things centralize naturally. Human beings centralize things naturally, not out of not out of um, people trying to get the one up on everyone, but human beings centralize things because it's easier, because we're just like water and electricity. We go the path of least resistance. So right? I, I, I really appreciate what you're saying, and I think it's true, but it's true in our relatively limited experience. Uh, limited, you know, you, you, any graph that you draw for any investor, you know, the number one thing that they know is the past is not a predictor of the future. Now, um, you look at the internet. The internet was like this wild west of anarchy. And then you say, well, but look what's happened, right? Now it's basically Facebook and Google and Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there's this very powerful centralizing factor. You look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin started out totally decentralized. And now you've got Coinbase and Binance and Kraken and all of these centralized things, right? So there is this desire that people have to give up uh, their uh, freedom for the sense of security or, the, or convenience. And that's basically what has always started and created the gravity wells of power. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, is that going to continue? 100% to, it, it's 100% going to continue to one degree or another. But 
for example, sovereign, right, is the ability now to do everything that you can do on Kraken or uh, on, on, on BlockFi more cheaply with less friction, no need for KYC, right? And you keep your Bitcoin under your control and it's controlled by the community and you get additional incentives by earning tokens but from being there because we're distributing the power of the system in the same way that Bitcoin distributed the power of the system. So is it going to be able to successfully compete against decentralized systems? The answer is we don't know, but look at the trends. Uniswap um, has become on some days already, and 16 months old, on some days already it is the largest exchange in the world. Not the largest DEX in the world, the largest exchange by volume in the, and users in the world. And that's on an Ethereum system, which is too expensive for almost anyone to use, right? So it's true that people don't care, but people love convenience and People like to have the feeling of freedom. Uh, and if you can give them those, if you can give them security, convenience, and freedom in a package, they're going to choose that over just security and convenience every single time. So I don't think it's just like, you know, a zero and one. It's not like this is going to be total, absolute victory. Woohoo, utopia is here. But what I'm saying is that the trend yeah. lines are changing. I can definitely agree with that. And I would say that, like, I think that humanity is interesting. And what I also see is that like these broad stroke policy things that we've done in the past are not going to be working in the future. I think that governance and all these things will be a lot more nuanced and you'll see a flavor of all of these things governing people the best. Like um, obviously socialized medicine is a win. But in the U.S., we think that it should be totally privatized. And I'll tell you what, like nobody's. Nobody should have to pay $30,000 to have a baby. And that's what we have going on here in the States. That's not sustainable, right? You obviously need some sort of mixture of a private system with some sort of socialized system for medicine because this is some ridiculous shit. I was like, $30,000 to have a baby in some places? That's not mm. even why is that oh, that's I, like well, i know i just had a baby well i didn't yeah. i liked it but like how much did it if you don't mind Corey? how much did it cost i don't, you that? I don't even know i have no idea i didn't so i think that. i i i, I agree lot. with you to an extent i don't think socialized medicine is is the solution maybe i'm broad stroking when i say that all i'm saying is that there's like there has to be more nuance as we what if we want to progress as people as human beings there had to be more nuance than you know like like throwing everything under one umbrella of socialism or communism or capitalism or this like we have to start to develop some nuance in how we policy and change these well, things here's the, here's the so, thing right like so like i want to i want to like almost piggyback on what yaga was just saying right and that um previously you didn't have a choice your choice was to give up what i would consider basic human rights for convenience uh and you'd had no other option really like you wanted to do the thing, then you did the thing. And what we're seeing now, uh, especially as this technology has gotten better uh, and more usable. I mean, like when we started this podcast, Bitcoin was hard to use. That's why everyone told us to go screw off. Mm -hmm. uh, and, they couldn't, and they couldn't do anything with it. And what we're seeing now is a lot, a lot of options. And certainly we're above the threshold of legitimacy uh, to where you no longer have to make that choice. And that fundamental like pigeonholed choice of trade off yeah. for trade off for convenience uh, is no longer the case where you can, you can do 
what you want to do while maintaining your privacy, security, and freedom. Or, or, and uh, so you can you can do things that are convenient while being in control of things. And we're making that process way and way easier. It's going to get to the point where it's probably even going to be easier than using the traditional financial system to do these things. As it currently stands, getting a loan in crypto is orders of magnitude easier than getting a loan in the traditional financial system. Yeah, it is. The only real roadblocks that you have are when you're going to have to end up paying taxes in your local jurisdictions uh, if, if you get an audit or something like that. The, the, the process of doing it and getting the money is very simple. Uh, but like dealing with your legal system is not, and hopefully that gets easier too. But like what I'm, what I think is very important here is that people have options. They're no longer pigeonholed into something that something doesn't work for them. They have options. And a lot of those options that I think people like Yagua are building and the reject yeah. the rest of this, this community are ones that are trending towards uh your best case scenario in being greedy is beneficial to the community as opposed to you don't have a choice but you're benefiting a small group of people so like traditional financial system is here's your option it kind of sucks but it's the only way you can do it and it's going to benefit this guy over here where he has like incredibly asymmetric uh amount of power in this in this ecosystem whereas mm. now it's like do whatever you want it's probably going to benefit whoever like the, the, the majority of the people otherwise it wouldn't work so far yeah yeah so i love a few it more questions a few more a few more like tidy up questions that we ask everybody do you want to hit them with it yeah i mean i have more about sovereign but maybe next time maybe there'll be an episode two uh we'll, <laughs> we'll just wrap we've been going a little while the first question is for our third host who couldn't make it jesse uh but he asks all of our guests is what you do actually hard what do I do hard? Yeah, is it difficult? Is what I'm doing hard? Is that the yeah? Question? Is what is what you do actually hard? That's the question. <sighs> I mean, it certainly feels hard. Like <laughs> <laughs> I I don't sleep very much, and uh, and I'm constantly stressed. And there's look, I mean, what we are building with Sovereign is basically an entire financial operating system, right? So imagine a world in which Bitcoin is the reserve asset. What does the financial system built around that monetary system look like? That's There's powerful. a lot of moving parts to what we're building. I mean, bridges, roll-ups, we already discussed, but uh, lending systems, uh, 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 margin trading systems, uh, just general trading systems, making it easy for people to have access uh uh through through easy on ramps uh, use any wallet there's like millions and millions of moving parts and part of the role that i've taken with the community is trying to coordinate between the many many different teams that are working on this and trying to keep it all in my head so that people aren't duplicating efforts unnecessarily so yeah i i think it's hard i wish i was uh you know smarter <laughs> that's 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 a great answer man and i i really like that because like it goes to show like people ask me i guess people that know me for a long time my personal life they ask me do you really think bitcoin will be the reserve currency of the world and i always say yes and they say how and i'm like i don't know how this shit works i just think yes like i don't know like i don't know i don't know i mean you didn't say why you just said yeah that's you you know and so i like that you're actually saying okay how does that happen how do we 
provide the tools for that to happen? How do we provide the human network and the human capital for that to happen? So you're answering very, very tough questions. So the other question that we ask is, in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Yeah, Bitcoin is um, the measure of value in the same way that a meter is a measure of length or a liter, or if you're American, gallon is a, is a measure <laughs> of volume. Um, it doesn't have value on it in, a, on, in and of itself, which is what That's... makes it the most powerful way to measure value because it's objective. A measure of value. That's, that's four words. Three, if you don't count the article A, but four words, that's pretty good and that's concise. And Corey, that's what I was going to say earlier is that like, that's the beauty of the game that Yago was talking about is that even, even when the USD gets inflated into being toilet paper, um, the purchasing power of Bitcoin is what remains its measure of incentivizing everyone to continue to love it. Because it's like, Oh, wait a second. A thousandth of a Bitcoin can get you a house? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely not going to give up my Bitcoin. I'm definitely going to think Bitcoin is awesome. Right. Actually, so, can I change Can I change my answer and repeat something I said earlier? Too late. That's, you you're breaking the rules. You're breaking the rules. <laughs> no, no. Go I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to say Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is the one good decision you need to make for our generation. Hmm. I like that. That's a clippable. I wish we were streaming. You'd be like, clip that, guys. Clip it. I see. I see. I see streamers do we're that all the time. So we'll clip yeah. it. We'll clip it and put it out. Yeah. Clip we're, we're that. We're gonna be doing those anyway now because, like, uh, we'll probably be like doing some extra content based on clips of videos. So, yeah. uh, Yago, thanks for coming on. I look forward to seeing Sovereign grow. I look forward to using it. Um, uh, anything you want to leave the audience with, like where to find you, what to do, anything at all? Yeah, I mean, if like I sometimes tweet on uh, at Idaniago uh, on Twitter. Um, I encourage you guys to get involved and try out Sovereign. So that's S O V R Y N dot app. And um, most of all, thanks so much for taking the time and having me uh, on your show. Think about that, it was fun. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks very much. And we're back. 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 We hope you enjoyed that live interview. Uh, Corey and I actually teleported into a parallel dimension for five minutes and came back. Um, and that's how we do it now. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, we'll, I wasn't live. We'll, we'll release the full interview later. Uh, that's just like, well, since we're doing it live, we'd cut a portion of it, a snippet, give ourselves a potty break. <laughs> yeah. You know, now we're back. And then we can come back to giving you guys the juice. So, Now's a good time. I want to do some things, some things we don't typically do. But now that we're moving a different issue with it. So if you're liking this right now, it's live. See a few of you watching. Uh, share it. Like it. Subscribe it. Tell your friends about it. Tell your mother and father. Uh, we'll try to be PG. No, we won't. We won't. I'm sorry. Doubt, I even said very that. doubtful. We are. We say what we want. Very, uh, very doubtful. You know, do all the YouTube stuff that people ask. Ding the bell. Like, do you have to say uh, that every time? I don't want to say that every episode. I really don't want to say that i understand how whack it is Corey. we're not saying i it, do Corey. see that history has a <laughs> <laughs> i don't even want to be a part of something that says yeah. that. i'm gonna own it hey I'm gonna, hey I'm gonna guys own it. yeah there you go
I'm gonna I'm gonna own this shit. If you scan the QR code here, it'll take you to our. That YouTube would be cool if, where if you, you can, can auto subscribe off of a QR code. Make it happen, like, Captain. Just, just Corey, man, you're yeah. the super smart dude. Why can't you be an auto subscription? Like, let's look at the code for the what happened. Let's look in the element for the code, dude. I got the subscribe I got work to do. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Bro. I got a job. This is, this is part of it. This is part of it. I'm talking to you, bro. I got a job. All right, like no, like for real, like we is that, that's got to be a thing, right? Like a subscribe button. You just push the button somewhere on another. Obviously, eh, it's a thing. It's YouTube. It's a YouTube thing. I don't think I have it on Streamyard. We'll figure it out later. Like I feel like I've been on websites where it's like push here to subscribe to the video that's right here. So you could do that from someone else's website. Why wouldn't you be able to trigger that push of a button from a QR scan code? QR scan code. Uh, do you know what kind of security implications that would have? I don't. That's why you're the scientist. Terrible. That's a terrible idea. That's not happening. Somebody can't <laughs> scan and subscribe. They can maybe Anyways. pop up a modal that asks for it, but like, yeah. yeah. Like, no <laughs> we should do the typical growth stuff man we gotta get in we gotta be a part of it don't fight it join it like we gotta do giveaways like you know like uh hey guys if we get to five thousand subscribers we'll be giving away a bmx bike you know what i'm saying like you know get to five thousand subscribers we're gonna buy you a barbecue pit we're gonna send it to your crib you know <laughs> we gotta do that kind of stuff it's just the way the way it is core you can't fight no it. no History is all right. right. Unboxing videos and of uh, and and uh, tutorials on how to how to camp certain parts of COD Warzone and coming up soon from the Bitcoin podcast. That would actually be exciting to watch. Listen up, all (laughs) listen up, all ladies, all you ladies in the audience. If we get fifteen hundred subscribers, Corey will send you a pair of his MeUndies washed. Ooh. I don't know if, if used underwear works for I'm sorry. the male I'm sorry, scene. Aaron. I'm sorry, Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> that's for you. And probably maybe dudes, probably. I mean, just if you want that, you're listening, you want that. If we get 1,500 subscribers. Dang. Jesse, like, what kind of giveaway can we do? I don't know. We got to get some sponsors to give us stuff uh, that we can give yeah, away. We need some sponsors. Here's a very reasonable one. If, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, hey, if you, you know, we get to 1,000. Uh, subscribers, uh, I'll buy you a bag of Cheetos. You know, mm, I'm not doing that, that, that again. No, 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 no. Like, I don't, uh, think, one I don't of think Daniel. The, Daniel doesn't want to do that again <laughs> either. One, <laughs> one lucky listener is gonna get one a lucky listener. All right, cool. Flaming we'll hot Cheetos. No, then I no, it's not. It's one lucky listener is getting a hundred bags of flaming hot Cheetos. Whoa! What? No, we're not trying instead to of a, instead of a hundred <laughs> instead of a hundred <laughs> listeners get one bag. Let's just do the opposite. Do one uh, person get hundred <laughs> bags. That's actually kind it's of way funny. more. It's way more funny because, like, like I remember. I don't know if I remember if I said this on, on the show. Uh, so, for all the patrons, part of the like one of the patrons tiers was you get a bag of flaming hot Cheetos because we keep we always joke about it, and we did this and we did it the most inefficient way possible. We shipped them uh, bags of flaming hot Cheetos after we bought them, and mm-hmm. each shipment cost around ten dollars. So we spent an exorbitant amount of money shipping people boxes of flaming hot cheetos uh because we thought it was funny uh when when we were doing this oh sorry daniel said 15 dollars. so there you go even more uh when we were doing this the person who was like facilitating the boxing and shipping was like you know it'd be a lot cheaper if you just like crush these up and shipped them <laughs> and i was and, I, and, and daniel 
Daniel said it to us. I'm like, yes, please. Yes. Actually, yes, crush them up because it's even more funny if well, someone look. receives a completely crushed bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos. Yes, the Crypto which... has his bag. Yes, oh. the Crypto has yeah, Bring his him bag. on the show. Look at this. Bring him oh, on the show. He's, he's he, here from backstage. He, oh. he even has the note on it. Look at that. Look at that. We do what we say we'll do on our day. It may take like a year and a half, but we will do it. We will do it. Oh, man. We, well, the Cheetos yeah. went out. I actually I really love that. If we yeah, get a thousand recipe. subscribers. It has a the Bitcoin podcast recipe right there. <laughs> I hope I. What's that recipe? <laughs> Cheetos.com slash recipes. Um, so here's something I will, I will, I will personally finance is if we get a thousand subscribers, one lucky listener will get a hundred bags of One hundred bags of flaming hot Cheetos are coming your way. I don't oh, know how yeah. we're gonna fit. I don't know how we're gonna like figure out who gets it. I'll, I'll make sure it's fair. Uh, but someone's getting. I hope it's Wayne. Is it uh, C50? So you can do like two C Roman numeral Cheetos. You can do something like that. I'll figure something clever out, but like, I want to see a box of Flaming Hot Cheetos that you're never going to eat in your window. <laughs> I I have not opened these for a reason. Why? Never open those, man. Please, I don't, I don't eat Flaming Hot Cheetos. I That's was, a good reason. I was traveling last month, and there was a guy, and you know, this isn't racial. I thought it was D. He had a full body uniform with Flaming Hot Cheetos logo, color, everything. Yeah, that's actually my cousin. Uh, <laughs> so he was in Oklahoma. Is it Chester? Uh, yeah, I got I got okay. family out in old Oak Oak Town. Okay. I, I, I almost there. stopped to take a picture with him and just say, "Hey, I need to I need to bug somebody." Were you else. carrying Were you carrying your bag with you? No, I was not. <laughs> You're not, not travel. Gonna, this is not travel stick, ready because it's not three you, ounces. Did you stick one fist up in the air? <laughs> like. Um, I don't know what that is, but dude, let's totally do that, man. If we get a thousand subscribers, one of you subscribers will receive a hundred. Your hundred ninety subscribers now. Yeah, we're at one hundred ninety, so that means we got you know. Oh, it's, that, there's no doubt about it. It's gonna happen because like it's the same thing as we did with the podcast. We just kept doing it, and the subscriber base just got bigger over time. Yeah. We're so, going to send someone 100 bags of Cheetos and we're going to record it. Yeah. How much money is that? It's like, what, two times 100? No, not a lot. It's like three. It's going to be like 300 bucks. In, insignificant compared to like yeah. a single airdrop. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. This says 529. So 529 times that's 100. That's list price, maybe? That's not oh, bad. No. We could swing that. We just need a big, big ass box. It doesn't have to be this big. No, that's like a direct ship. You can probably, the, you could probably do it the Costco, through some distributor. Get the Costco thirty-six bags in a little. No, we got to do it big. No, no it's big. Be. It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be cumbersome. Like this person isn't gonna be happy about getting it. They're just gonna yeah. get it. It's like, it's like paying your bill in pennies. Yeah. They're gonna be like, I didn't think yeah. those guys were serious. What do I do with all these Cheetos <laughs> recipes? Don't know what to tell you. You better take care of it. All right, now let's get into some some. Uh, there's some newsy bits, some newsy bits I'd like to kind of speak to. Oh, hey, um, Wayne, you have the same model as I do. Look at that. I do, but I've got I've got the protector on. No. Oh, that I thought you were talking yeah. about. The, the no, yeah. same thermos. I like that thermos. It's a good thermos. I bought, yeah. I bought a few of these. These are awesome. They, they, they are. I hold ice for like a two days or something. And uh, hot tea for oh. like 24 hours. So. We need a TBP branded thermos. Ooh, 
We tried the store thing. It didn't work out too well. <laughs> yeah. I know. I have a number of your things. <laughs> you, have, you were the number one buyer by far. I know. I, I, I'm the one that bought everything. Uh, well, I, just, I, bought, I bought what I liked, and I still have it. So. We'll do something with merchandise at some point again, but it probably won't be Shopify. So I um, <laughs> there's a there's some newsy bits that I want to share with you guys that we can run through before we kind of wrap the show. Um, the first thing is uh, Ray Dalio. He's a billionaire. He runs a hedge fund, and he says that there is a good probability that Bitcoin uh, is going to be outlawed by governments around the world. Isn't he the author of Futures? Like uh, chicken, I don't chicken know. nuggets wouldn't be a thing unless it was him who created the futures contract so that farmers could have a consistent price for chicken because you cannot sell chicken McNuggets if the price of chicken fluctuates week to week or month to month. So he invented futures so that there could be a derivative so that farmers could say, you know what, I'm, I'm definitely going to get this price for it. And, uh, and the buyers could definitely get this price for it. Even if it's produced at like a dollar, they're still going to pay 250 because they said that, but that's better than paying $5 six months later. So when he says something about long-term financial things, and his articles are great, his videos are great, I, I usually listen and I'm glad he's coming around. Um, Interesting. He's Would saying it's going to get banned considered coming around? Outlawed, not well banned. Outlawed, same thing. Um, I would say coming a, coming around is is having it on his radar and actually looking and talking about it. Yeah, I would Warren say, Buffett said the same thing, and he was just flat as and Peter Schiff. Like a lot of the people who I don't think you should. I think traditional Peter Schiff and Ray Dalio together though. Definitely not. no, 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 yeah. no, no. no. I'm, not, I'm not saying they're on the same level. I'm just saying that's it's it's in my opinion, it's difficult to take advice. It, you should definitely adhere to it and understand it, but you have to give it the perspective of they don't understand the technology that well. But they will. They Hopefully they will. And hopefully they have people telling them information that's useful and correct. More often than not, the people and celebrities and um, traditional investment people are getting information from bad sources and then, and then building terrible, terrible, terrible ideas from it. Uh, and then they talk about those terrible ideas from a celebrity <laughs> standpoint. Yeah. They talk about those ideas from a celebrity standpoint and that has influence, right? But they, they, they don't understand it correctly. Like if you look at like what a lot of the earlier stuff that Mark Cuban said, I think about crypto, it yeah. was based on, it was all wrong because he just, he, he, like the people he was hiring to tell him about it were idiots probably, or they didn't understand the technology very well. That's or had vested interests. Or had other vested interests because like they wanted Schiff. to sell him something. Yeah, yeah. Schiff has Schiff is, I think, suffering from the vested interest syndrome, where he is super smart and he knows money, he knows a lot of things, mm -hmm. but his vested interest blinds him a little. Warren Buffett definitely. Mm -hmm. So when he said it was rat poison squared, he was correct. It's rat poison squared for fiat. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's that doesn't mean that it's rat poison squared for everybody. I, I don't track Ray Dalio, like what his investments have been in the past, but what what have they been? Wayne. So I'm looking at it here. My boy Dalio began investing <laughs> at age 12 when he bought shares of Northeast Airlines at three hundred dollars and tripled his investment. Uh, this would have been back in 1973. Is he more of a Buffett um, investor? I, 
I I would say less. I mean, he, I I I don't know him intimately, but I do mm-hmm. know like I categorize Buffett as the traditional investor. You know, like doesn't get into tech quickly. Mm-hmm. He he expects tangible things to return a tangible dividend based on uh, the time that goes or the effort that goes into something and and it comes out. So so he's mm-hmm. very traditional on that end. And I mm-hmm. would categorize Dalio as more progressive than that, but still way less progressive for crypto. Who's the most progressive out of all the billionaire investors right now? Give me like Elon, a few. Elon Musk, okay. if you call him an investor. Okay. Because uh, he's he's so progressive on, you know, having an energy company that happens to make cars, looking at getting off this planet before anybody else did. So many different things that he, he looks at. And, you know, he trolls people about Doge. I think that's a well-rounded humor slash investment type of thing. But as far as investors yeah. go, you've uh, if you ever watch Unchained, so so Unchained with Laura Shin recently had an episode with the top type of investor people. How dare you? Uh, Just kidding. Well, you have go to fill going. up all your. Data. <laughs> Just um, and so so she goes over some of those things, and and you know, with three hundred and forty four episodes so far, you guys have had a few. Uh, you know, investor class people, I, I would say, you know, I don't know if class is the right word there, but. That sect of <laughs> perspective. <laughs> you want to hear something mm-hmm. funny is I own some of what this motherfuckers. Oh, excuse my language. I own some of what this guy sells. The my When I was a teacher in Texas, the teacher retirement system invested $250 million in TRS, the state yeah. in Bridgewater Associates Intermediate Holdings in 2008. See, that's trippy. That's very trippy that a so, single hedge fund is owned by an entity, an entity as large as the teacher retirement system. And that's why this ETF is going to make us all boat owners, very large <clears throat> boat owners. But um, so, so Jesse, to, to answer a little bit more about <laughs> Dalio's, uh, you know, the enamoring that I have with him yeah. is that that he. He is a good bridge between layman and how actually things work. Yeah. Where a lot, I mean, you know, our, our, our monetary system is kind of designed to be confusing. The way that we do puts and calls and asks and bids and, and collateralized debt obligations and, and all the things that go into it, it is unnecessarily complex. Whereas crypto is necessarily complex because it's, it's a new paradigm. There's things that we just don't have words for that we just tack on existing words like wallet and keys. Mm-hmm. And Dalio is really good at bridging the gap between f- complex financial explanations and letting the layman know, understand like Robert Kiyosaki's rich, uh, rich dad, poor dad, like um, Gary V. I mean, they have this bridge. And so Dalio does that with cycles of years and the, how debt, how, how we have a debt-based economy. And what I like about that is if someone watches Dalio and then starts dabbling in crypto, then the light bulb comes on. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, crypto's not debt based, but could be. And, you know, they can have their own epiphanies on how money works without being exposed to the Berwicks or, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. Um, what's the guy that does the the hidden secrets of money? Starts with an M. Macaroni, Maroni. Mike Jones. No. Who? Um, there, there's <laughs> Mike Jones. Uh, so <laughs> the, the hidden secrets of money. Mike Maloney. 
Okay. He has a series. So if you try to take the Muggle or the GPP and go straight into Berwick or Mike Maloney or even the Bitcoin podcast, it's a bridge too far. And Dalio is like, start there and then come see us when you've got questions about why is. is our money like this? Yeah, he's definitely yeah, like, has some great articles and blogs mm-hmm. and writing that that yeah. helps like, helps give like a, a very large macro perspective of mm-hmm. like why things are the way they are. Yes, and the videos are really good too. He's got now, like a twenty minute video that that just explains debt. In terms of his comment, right, that he thinks BTC will be outlawed. You have your your finger on the pulse of a lot of different media it seems, and you're able to like internally curate them together. How, how valid do you think that statement is that he made in terms of his connects with, with, yeah. with the current power base, 95% likely with the power base changing and more communication so that uh, Gen Z and boomers and all the different generations can be more aware, then mm-hmm. I think our structures will change to adopt to a more sovereign type of monetary system. So the old guard and the Plutarchs and the people who run the money now, they will not allow something like a borderless censorship resistant, open decentralized currency but that power structure is changing and it's probably mm-hmm. going to change quicker than the existing system can change to ban what we have. And that's why I have hope. Yeah. There's, there's things, there's fabrics that were like once archetypes, those things are being eroded. Uh, they just are. And so that's why, you know, like, like, like Wayne, I have a lot of faith in crypto and Bitcoin and it won't be banned because it can't be by the time the government gets their shit in order to try so many people will have it and use it to add value to their lives that those governments say will be. I see. You know, I, I I think it's more likely that there'll be the civil war on the revolution side. I because, hope not. Because you say you can't I ban it. them things on me. Yeah. But, but you oh. do not have a satellite connection to the internet. The internet is still 99% Verizon, AT&T. We will soon. Uh, uh, Exodus, <laughs> you know. Thanks, Elon. Um, Starlink, well, but but the point is, people can block port eighty three thirty three. I love whatever this guy. Bitcoin yeah. part is. I love this guy. I'll and the majority of people will just move on to Venmo and PayPal's crypto, and you know a UBI. You know the, the masses are not going to follow the freedom. The masses are going to follow least common easy. denominator, mm-hmm. easy path. Yeah. So I'm counting on the current system being too slow to be able to implement a ban Mm -hmm. and the power getting up fast enough so that we can change the rules by the time the rules. I'm going to put on my not Negro Domus hat, but like whatever that analogy (laughs) Filipino version is. Sure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a prediction. I don't know if it's going to happen, but you know, just random prediction. Bitcoin may get, get like soft banned but then may get unsoft banned. So like a China, like, like, like China's done. In China, yeah. like, yeah. like an India. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, maybe I guess, I guess that would, that would be so weak. I want it to be like stronger than that. Like I want it to be like when they, um, when they repatriated gold from people, from individuals, 
and then they you know they said that um if you didn't give your gold back to us to exchange for dollars we're going to jail you for 10 years right that yeah. was strong what, what yeah. india did <laughs> and a couple different countries they, they weren't strong right the central bank said it's banned and then the right uh, you know the the legal group behind them a year later or whatever said oh no no it's not banned so so it effectively it becomes a ban but mm -hmm. it's not really banned so that was kind of soft yeah I, I, I would i would be my prediction would include something a little bit harder than that i i'm curious if something like that could happen well with eight etfs in the wings yeah it's probably not gonna this happen. is the year it's probably okay. gonna you know Fisher all signs point to that yeah, yeah. You guys think there's going to be a soft ban this year? No, all signs point to mass adoption this year. Yeah, yeah. ETFs, it's like yeah. It, it, institutional money. And when institutional money starts throwing their weight, then it bans are less protected. likely. Mm -hmm. Bans are less likely. This is this is what I've discussed for years is that once institutional money like really starts flowing in, then I hate to say this phrase, but it's already in the ether. Uh, too big to fail starts to come into consideration right and that's kind of how that 2008 shit was going to be a house of cards but it was stopped but like we just said this company this random private company bridgewater um if it goes under what's going to happen to the teacher retirement what happens to the percentage of those teachers retirements if that company goes under right and so then when institutions start to flow into assets like this there's protections involved there's risk that is a there's like risk that's just absolved because there's a lot of people's lives that are affected by this institutional money flowing in a lot. So if Fidelity gets an ETF, Goldman Sachs, they get these ETFs and they start rolling. It's a wrap. It's game over. Mass, ado <laughs> Mass adoption is there. And it's like, like we said many times in the past, people will be using it without they know they're using it. Teachers in Texas don't fucking know they're buying Bridgewater. They don't know. They're just like, yeah, get teachers retirement. It's what I get. It you know when I retire, it's what I get. They don't know that, and that's the same exact thing that's going to happen with crypto and its financial products and its robustness over the next twenty years. Is more and more people are going to have their lives touched by crypto, not in an R. Kelly way, but in like a you know a, a more friendly way. Well played, uh, you know. And um, I want to piss on you. <laughs> That's a, for those of you that don't know, that's a skit. Corey doesn't just, Dave Chappelle. He doesn't just, just say things. I don't just like say that. those words out loud for no reason. <laughs> that's a Dave Chappelle skit. All right. He doesn't just claim he wants to urinate on people. Um, we should wrap. We should wrap yeah. on that. I'm going to go take care of my baby. We're going to go cook some that. dinner. Ooh, I'm going to tell Aaron you talk about her on the show. Ooh, boo. Uh, so if you oh, like this show, please become a patron. Speaking uh, of taking care of your baby, be a Patreon. Yeah, that's us. We're your baby. Uh, got a hype man, hype man Wayne here to help us out. That's right. Um, let's see here. Uh, become a patron. Uh, I like how I'm looking at it. Become a patron. Um, join the Slack. Um, <laughs> You can join and, and subscribe to us on your Apple podcasting app. That's what that icon means. Um, but to join the Slack, you go to the Bitcoin podcast. Jesse, you've got a point at it, too. It's like a Voltron okay, sorry, thing. sorry. Like a there Voltron you go. thing. There you Hold go. Up. Wow, it's like a Brady Bunch Where's thing. my hand? There we go. <laughs> um, There's a story about an ego Damas. <laughs> um, 
let's see go to the bitcoinpodcast.com and join the slack um i love that now we could say there's a better reason to join the slack than to just hang out with us the ecosystem has gotten so robust if you join our slack uh given how networked we are because we've been passionate about this stuff for years now you could likely find a job in crypto if you've got a mountain of skills and you think they're transferable to an industry that is just starting up you should join our slack and we will help point you in the right direction and have the right conversations that you could eventually change your career and you know why you want to change your career because your job sucks does your job suck does your job suck are you working in a job that sucks bowels does your job suck and ergo your life do you want to change that because your life is sucking join the tbp slack get a better job oh god (laughs) (laughs) that's the best shit ever you earned it oh my god that's so good we got to end the show on that. Let's do the shout outs. Uh, shout out to uh, Megan the Stallion. <laughs> shout out to uh, Michael B. Jordan, Lori Harvey. Shout out to uh, who's old wide face? Zoe Saldana. <laughs> <laughs> you got to flip that picture or just well, keep it. I don't know. Oh, wide face up there, Zoe. Uh, shout out to. Uh, Mrs. Barack Obama, I'm sorry, that's not 21st century. Uh, Michelle Obama, sorry, ma'am. And shout out to uh, that chick from Black Panther. Um, <laughs> you don't know her name. It's very African. Okay. I'm sorry. I cannot say that name. <laughs> it starts with an N. Well, that's bad because my sister-in-law's name starts with an N, and I can say that. But hers, I can't. So... Well, you've also heard your sister-in-law say her name, so it helps a little bit. Yeah, I've heard her speak in the clicking language before, and it just blew my world away. Yeah, I've heard that too. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's wild. I was like, you just gonna sit here and eat this omelet and talk in clicks? <laughs> <laughs> that shit is dope. Anyways, um, yeah, we are on Patreon, Lansing West. Hold up, this is this is something we got to put up there, y'all on Patreon. Yes, we are, and you Hit can him with the link. Patreon. Hit it and with the you, link. And if you share the show and we get more subscribers, you'll have a one in 1,000 chance of getting 100 bags of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. There's all kinds of incentives to join <laughs> us. Get a fucking job. Get some Cheetos. I recuse, I recuse myself from winning that. Let's say that. Right <laughs> yeah, so you <laughs> get a one in 999 so, chance. No, uh, no, no. One no. In you should have all the tiers qualify, but the top tier is immune. Gets more entries. No, is immune. Oh, okay. it's the only oh, way to yeah. be immune from winning the deal. <laughs> Wayne is Wayne is the top tier. So there you go. All right. Um, it's been a great show. Thank you all. A shout out to the audience, of course. Thank you guys who are core listeners for continuously listening week in, week out. Uh, shout out to Jeff. Sorry about last week. We're coming at you strong this week. Um, let's see what else. Uh, shout, what out else to shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Alicia. Shout out to Daniel. Uh, shout out to the co- shout out to all us hosts here on virtual hug. Um, you know, and, and shout out, shout out to Spring, shout out to Moderna, shout out to Pfizer, shout out to Johnson and Johnson, shout out to Cheetos, shout well, out to not Cheetos. Cheetos. <laughs> all right, guys, play the outro.